Where does Lane Kiffin sit on the pantheon of Ole Miss football coaches? We discussed that in this Five for Friday. Also, Ole Miss got a new commit. They seemingly always do the last couple of days. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Subscribe there if you would. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. More importantly, Ole Miss every day. Am I right? Anyway, hi, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Bernard Causey committed to Ole Miss yesterday. The six-foot, 160-pound corner out of New Orleans is a little bit of a unique case and somebody we need to pay attention to moving forward. Like I said, he's a cornerback, but film on him is sparse. It is very sparse. We're going to show his sophomore highlights because that's the video that's available. But if you're looking for a rankings bump, if you're looking for recruiting services to lift you up to where you think you need to be, not having video is not the way to do it. It's the same problem Mississippi schools had for years until Huddle came around. Once Huddle came around, it kind of got a little bit better. But it is a situation to where this could be a really good player, but we don't know exactly know what he looks like now. Now, Pete Golding and Lane Kiffin and all that have access to film that's more advanced than what we do. But all we can go off of is what we've seen. And we've seen high school video. Now, if you look at the Clarion Ledger, they did talk about how he committed to over Colorado and Mississippi State. I think Nebraska and, um, was on that list as well, and maybe Georgia Tech. Um, but that, that is the um, level that he was getting offered. So serious contributor. And remember, in New Orleans, they do have the ability to put out some really stud football players. I think Warwick Dunn and Marshall Falk was from the New Orleans school, got out, did not go to LSU, ended up going to Florida State and San Diego State, respectively. And the rest is kind of history with those two backs. But New Orleans has a reputation of being a place that, A, it's difficult to get into, it's also been known to be a place that LSU could lose and have trouble with it if they if they messed it up. Um, but they're always going to put out high-quality players. And the fact that Pete Golding is a Louisiana native, there's obviously inroads with these Louisiana players that he hits, and he, he strikes a chord with that. But it's just something that I think is kind of interesting with Bernard Causey. Now, when you look at his highlight video and everything going on with that, yeah, I, I do think he is an athletic player, but remember, these, this video is from his sophomore year. There's no junior highlights. There's probably been a little bit of development that has happened since then, but we're at a loss of that. But I did want to show you what was going on. You know, when you look at his highlights, the first thing that really stands out to him is he has an awareness of where the football is. And you can see him, you know, even though he is pressed in doing that, he gets his head around, locates the ball, and has the ability to make plays on it. Now, as a sophomore, his ball skills might not have been where you wanted it to be, but that's something that can be developed. The fact that he can track the football on short notice like that is something very interesting to put up with um, defensively. And you can always improve on that as well. 
But I think that is the strength of his sophomore video. Now, he makes tackles. Everybody makes tackles down the road. But he's six foot 160 um, right now. So I don't know how you could count on him being a thumper at the cornerback position. I think he. I think we would put him as a willing tackler. Um, but he also does things like he blocks people out of bounds. Real similar to the Michael Ower story, if anybody remembers that. I think they did it on the blind side where he just blocked a guy to the fence. And he's like, hey, I didn't hear no whistle or whatever. But he did that. Um, but you see him come through and he tries. He's a willing tackler. Now, like I said, just like Traveris Banks, I'm interested to see ball skills, and I do want to see updated video, especially if senior video gets on the system for um, Bernard. But he is a smooth defensive back player. When you watch him run, he looks like a defensive back, and that is kind of what you want in that position. But we'll see. He's a guy that I think if you see the way he moves – he should move up on the rankings. He possibly a four-star candidate as a sophomore. If he developed in a linear way moving towards his senior year, he would probably be in that ballpark. And the reputation of New Orleans players is something to keep an eye on. I'm I'm excited about this kid. I'm always excited about every kid, but I'm I'm excited about this kid and what he could bring. Like I said, running back is or defensive back is a position of need. The secondary is something that Ole Miss needs to take care of. They brought in transfers, but you still want to see them hit, take those freshman guys and have those freshman guys make plays. So it will see. But it's another situation, really good on short notice tracking the football. I don't know what that attests to when it comes to ball skills, but that's a skill that's like an intro level one-on-one to ball skills. You don't have ball skills without being able to do that at the cornerback position. But really, really good football player, and um, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what he can do once he gets to Ole Miss. Pete Golding's doing some work in New Orleans right now, just absolutely doing some work. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to talk about the top five coaches in Ole Miss football history and where Lane Kiffin sits on that list. It's a five for Friday right here on Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. Stick around. This show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. And understand this about Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are the most comfortable shorts you will ever put on. They're shorts with a liner, stretchy, khaki-like material. They're excellent to be worn to the theme park or the golf course or even walking around the block. Perfect for that activity. They also, in this fabric, it's like anti-stink sweat wicking fabric as well that stretches and that's important to know whenever you're going to get out especially in central florida or if you're in south florida or something like that you want to be comfortable as possible if you're on the golf course in mississippi you want to be as comfortable as possible and they can do that now the key is right now if you order at the moment you get a free yeti style tumbler from bird dogs that's that's pretty cool indeed and Bird Dogs is really good about things like that. So this is what you need to know um, about them. They have a free setup going. You can get a free Yeti-style tumbler. I just showed it to you with every order. If you go to birddogs.com slash college, make your order. Do what you need to do. I guarantee you that when you do this, you will be in my comments telling me how right I am. But that's birddogs.com, 
for a free Yeti style tumbler, you will not want to take your bird dogs off, I promise. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube, Everydayers. Next week, potential player interview. Um, Walker Jones has scheduled. We'll see if technology gets in the way, but we're planning on him for tomorrow morning. And we'll talk about Ole Miss NIL and the war chest that they have built up for recruiting and how exactly that is being distributed. All of that we're setting up, we'll interview Walker Jones about that. Anyway, let's go into the top five Ole Miss football coaches in Ole Miss history. It's, it's an interesting situation, but where does Lane Kiffin sit? Who, in my opinion, are the top five coaches? And number one, we'll start right off with that, is Johnny Vaught. John Howard Vaught, his name is on the stadium there's three national championship banners in the stadium from him. Six SEC titles he won. He is the gold standard of coaches in Ole Miss football. Now, the stretch he had from the late 50s into the early 60s has not been replicated at Ole Miss, and it might not ever be replicated at Ole Miss. But John Vault did absolute work at Ole Miss all the way through the late 40s, the 50s, this into the 60s, and early into the 70s. I think from there he went into athletic director, and he did not have the same level of success. The 70s, 70s were a rough decade for Ole Miss, and nobody in this top five is from the 70s. Now, number two is where I would put Lane Kiffin at the moment. Lane Kiffin is the second Ole Miss football coach to, I think, win 10 regular season games, or maybe he might be the only one. They lost the Sugar Bowl, but to get on this list, you have to go to a New Year's Day Bowl. And to get high on this list, you have to go to the New Year's Six. Um, but Lane Kiffin has done that. If it wasn't for a late season problem, at one point he was tied with Johnny Vault um, for wins and progression. Um, that was a pretty cool statistic as well. Lane Kiffin is positioned to have a statue at Ole Miss if this keeps going. He needs to consistently get a little bit better, but talent-wise, and since Johnny Vault was at Ole Miss, talent-wise, Ole Miss has not been at the level they are now. You look at the quarterback room, you look, Ole Miss has the best running back in the country. This is kind of stuff that over the last 40 years has not even been possible. But Ole Miss has been able to do that as well. I like Lane Kiffin in this position, and he gets a nod over Hugh Freeze, because I'm going to get into that in just a second, because Hugh Freeze um, was in charge when this program got wrecked and brought scandal to the university. Lane Kiffin gets the tiebreaker in any situation like that. You might like Hugh Freeze. You might like what's going on. Lane Kiffin, I'll take him 10 times out of 10 over Hugh Freeze. Um, and head-to-head, they're one of, um, Lane Kiffin is one one and zero. Oh. Now that was Liberty. We'll find out whenever they go to Auburn this year. But I take Lane Kiffin over Hugh Freeze all day, every day. And let's go ahead and bring in the number three because you already know is Hugh Freeze. Like I said, Hugh Freeze was in charge of the Ole Miss program for the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. What started as 
a miraculous win over Alabama with Katy Perry in attendance and all of this ended up with him being, I, I don't know if it's fired or, res, or fired with cause in disgrace to the point where he gave up like $18 million to go. And you just see that ebb and flow that he went. There was no consistency that was really built. You built it raised up. It was like six and six that first year, seven and five the second year. And then it just built up and up and up. 2015, the Sugar Bowl was the apex. And then it was down, 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 down. And, but you can't really take away the highs from him as well. But the reason he is number three and not number two because he won a Sugar Bowl is because of what happened and why he left. But number three all time is Hugh Freeze. All right. When we come back, we will talk about the next two positions. And, and, and there's probably going to be some debate about the next two positions. Um, should be a lot of fun. I enjoy talking about football coaches and where they sit in Ole Miss football history. But it is very, very interesting indeed um, when it comes to these coaches. So number one, Johnny Vault. Number two, Lane Kiffin. Number three, Hugh Freeze. That is where we're at right now. We'll finish up the list in just a second. Stick around. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out Locked On SEC. Chris Gordy and his knowledge of SEC football does every Locked On fan well. Tomorrow on every, on the show, Every Dayers, this is just for you. Walker Jones is supposed to be on the show. If technology doesn't get us, because... I will record that interview after I record this show. So just be patient there. So if technology does not get us, we're, the plan is for Walker Jones on Saturday. All right, this is a five for Friday, and we're doing the top five football coaches in Ole Miss football history. Number one was Johnny Vault. Number two was Lane Kiffin. Number three was Hugh Freeze. Who is number four? There it is, David Cutcliffe. He went, went to and won a Cotton Bowl. He was the head coach that was there when Eli Manning was the quarterback whose number has since been retired. Everybody talks about David Cutcliffe's success at Ole Miss was all due to Eli Manning. But everybody also needs to remember Eli Manning was not coming to Ole Miss unless David Cutcliffe was there. He was able to get Eli. He was able to win with Eli. And it led a resurgence of keeping the level that Tommy Tuberville built to, David Cutcliffe was able to extend that. He had one year where he had absolute mistakes at the quarterback position. They ended up not winning games. He was not able to survive that. But one losing season, he did win a Cotton Bowl, won the SEC West as a co-champion, even though LSU had the tiebreaker, but the banner's up in the stadium. And I've seen the trophy. The SEC sent Ole Miss a trophy. Um, so there's that. And everybody's like, well, if David Cutcliffe won the West as a co-champion and he was seven and one and he had that magical 2003 season, how is he number four? Well, he's number four because of the struggles that he had the two years before that, even with Eli as a quarterback and a little bit with Romero Miller as well. If we remember this era, this um, at the beginning of it, Ole Miss was kind of an Independence Bowl machine. They played Oklahoma. They played Nebraska. 
They played Texas Tech, all with David Cutcliffe under his leadership as well. Their big win that they had in the Cotton Bowl was kind of the exception and not the rule. His record and everything is good enough to be the fourth coach on this list, not necessarily good enough to be higher than that. Now, I will say this about David Cutcliffe. I will always respect David Cutcliffe because I am not where I am right now without David Cutcliffe. It was David Cutcliffe that came on my radio show when I was doing a radio show in La Maddalena, Italy. Um, crazy time difference in the whole nine yards. He came on the show. When I got out of the Navy, went to Ole Miss. Worked in the video department. Everything that I became was because of David Cutcliffe being nice enough to come on that show. That piqued the interest of want me, wanting me to get involved. And because of that, I am here now. David Cutcliffe, number four on the list. And number five on the list, this is going to be some consternation, but I, I'm going with Billy Brewer. And the reason I'm going with that is because he was in charge of Ole Miss at a time when Ole Miss was at its lowest. When Steve Sloan left Ole Miss, many people actually was wondering would Ole Miss ever be back. And it took a 12 or 13 year period, but Billy Brewer got Ole Miss to a Gator Bowl. Now, they got absolutely boat raced in that Gator Bowl, but he got them to the Gator Bowl. And through probation and what he did, that left a little bit of a black mark on his record, but also his growth through the 80s and into the early 90s, especially that 91 and 92 team, kind of positioned Ole Miss to where they could move forward with a Tommy Tuberville should something like NCAA problems happen. And Tommy Tuberville came in, removed that, into David Cutcliffe, and you can see they built the program steadily on an incline. It was honestly, he's not on the list, but Ed Orgeron was the first one that just decided to recruit everyone, whether or not Somebody says he was an Ole Miss-type player. That level and on that staff was Hugh Freeze, and Hugh Freeze took that mindset along with the actually being a better football coach and got us to back to the Sugar Bowl. But none of that would have been possible without Billy Brewer and the work he did during the 80s and the early 90s. And I think the fact that it was 40 years ago that kind of gets lost to time. Everybody has their little gripes, their little grievances. And, you know, the Egg Bowl, whenever it first came back and started to become a thing, was Billy Brewer and Jackie Sherrill. And, you know, Jackie Sherrill was a habitual liar and all of that stuff. The craziness that happened in that rivalry, that was Billy Brewer. And I, I honestly think that he belongs on this list. Now, if you disagree with any of this list, down in the comments, let me know. Who is your top five coaches? Rank them. Order them. Put them on the list, and we will go through them as well over the course of the day. This is going to sit there during the course of the weekend, and it can kind of just marinate a little bit. But today was a pretty good show. I enjoyed show, the show to, today, and our top five coaches that we're going by is number one, John Howard Vault, Johnny Vault, number two, Lane Kiffin, number three, Hugh Freeze, number four, David Cutcliffe, number five, Billy Brewer. Now, 
Ever, some people are going to say, what about Tommy Tuberville? The way that Tommy Tuberville left is almost, in my mind, disqualified him from this list. He's a good coach. He did have a mindset. He did what he could do as high as he could do it. But he was constantly somebody that was looking on getting out on the first thing, smoking. He was always looking to get his way. Um, and the way he left in the middle of the night has left a bad taste in the mouth of his, some of his former players as well as most of the fan base to the point where I don't know if it was Jay Stern, if he was still in charge there, but um, Tommy Tuberville did a hottie toddy pregame, which was one of the most tone deaf things that I've ever um, seen. But um, Tommy Tuberville did that and the ad man faced a little bit, a little bit of um, outcry over that. So Bernard Causey <clears throat> committed to Ole Miss out of JFK in New Orleans. Good player. Um, I like the way <clears throat> like the way he sits and what he looks like on film. Like I said, there's some development that we have not seen yet. Now, Pete Golding and Lane Kiffin has probably seen that, but just for me, it would be a little bit a little bit of a different thing. But just like Rajay Dennis, there's kids that are in New Orleans that get underrated. Just, you know, remember what Mississippi was 20 years ago when kids were just falling through the cracks right and left. It wasn't that long ago that Chris Jones happened. Heck, that wasn't even a decade ago that Chris Jones happened, I don't think. And he just disappeared until the Under Armour All-American game. Nobody knew about him. Then after that game, he was second or third in the country. That's, that's what recruiting at these, love, these areas can be like. So Pete Golding, he's got a nice contact system in the state of Louisiana. He's obviously using it. I'm looking forward to seeing what him and what Raji Dennis can do at the wide receiver position. I mean, super, super fast wide receiver Raji Dennis. I'm really looking forward to that. But Ole Miss is doing some work in Louisiana this year. It, it's, it's refreshing, but you can honestly tell those inroads are going to make it to where they become more and more of a player in that area. Now, to this point, it's mostly South Louisiana. We haven't seen the North Louisiana pop up yet, but we'll see exactly how that goes as well. So it should be a lot of fun. Anyway, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. If technology permits, I'm, I'm honestly wary about mentioning this before I actually record it. We're planning on doing Walker Jones um, on Saturday morning. He's recording Friday night at like 5 o'clock. So... There's a lot of water that can flow under the bridge, but that is the plan. Walker Jones did agree to come on the show. I'm looking forward to that as well. I think I'm about the same age as Walker. If I'm not mistaken, it feels like there was a Georgia game in 93 that um, I went on a football trip whenever I was a sophomore, junior in high school, something like that, or it might have been 92, and, and Walker and Peyton – we're at that football game it, for whatever reason. Now, nobody paid attention to any visitor besides Peyton Manning and, and Walker, obviously, I think he was because he's a cousin or something like that. He has a relationship with the Mannings. He was obviously in that gaggle as well. But that, I'm interested uh, um, to talk to Walker about that because I think that happened. I think he was there for that game. That was the game that Cassius Ware absolutely nearly killed Eric Zire. And Abdul Jackson picked up a fumble and ran it for like 60 yards for a touchdown. 
that's that game. Um, but I, I'm trying to remember if that is actually what happened. Anyway, that is the plan for tomorrow. I hope everybody has a good weekend. We'll keep this episode kind of short. We've got Tim Thomas coming up this weekend. We've got Derek Vandegrift talking baseball transfer portal. Tim Thomas is going to be talking basketball. We're going to have um, Tom Vanderford coming up tonight talking um, Ole Miss sports as well. The plan is to let these extra videos be the interview pieces and let the me talk on the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. That's the plan. But we'll see exactly what happens with that. Anyway, till tomorrow. Or, yeah, see you then.